Alright. Alright. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Wild, wild week in Knoxville, Tennessee time. Interesting start to the off-season time. I guess interesting good is better than interesting bad time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio. Back in the studio. It's been a, been a couple weeks since we've since we've been here. It's like my own house, and I don't even... Wait, I live here? How about that? How about that? Was gone for a couple weeks, obviously down to uh, down to Florida, Tennessee, playing in the uh, Gator Bowl. We took care of that stuff, brought the road equipment down there, got that done, came back, then immediately went to uh, Missouri for a basketball game. Now back in town, at least for a couple days. It's good to be back. Maybe I'll even remember what my uh, what my what my wife and dog look like. Actually, that's that's not true. My wife's already gone back out of town for work, so. Guess it's just how it is these days, guys. Not just me on this podcast, though. Also coming to us from across town, if I can get the words out of my mouth, is Ryan Callahan. What's up, Ryan? Hey, Wes. How's it going? It's going, man. It's going. Uh, I'm trying to remember what everything here in this place looks like. Been a while. It's kind of weird. Uh, yeah, we, we've been. You got used to, to doing the road show. You were you were setting up live remotes, weren't you? Yeah, we were. Uh, we were basically in, in various courtyard or, or Marriott properties uh, across the United States, doing this podcast for a little bit. But uh, that's how it goes this time of year. What's interesting though, Ryan, is that you know I, I expected after kind of the recruiting stuff gets through. With, with with football, our early signing period gets through, and then you get through the bowl game, and then normally the past couple of years, other than you know some some recruiting news here and there, maybe maybe a transfer here or transfer there, it's kind of been basketball uh, for a couple of months around this time of year. The past couple of years, by and large, with the podcast. Now, I mean, we could have had seven football podcast episodes. I think this one week, man, what a week it has been. It's it's been wild, and and this this week was some. Yeah, just huge news for Tennessee, but especially on the the transfer front. Um, you know, obviously Trey Smith will get a lot, a lot of attention with that, him coming back for his senior year. But uh, but Tennessee, you know, there'd been some buzz out there that, that Tennessee might be able to get uh, somehow end up with with Cade Mays, the the, the guy who had kind of become uh, the prodigal son. Uh, I was gonna say one of Tennessee fans' favorite players to to hate, really, uh, since he. Uh, since he kind of spurned the Vols after being a, a longtime Tennessee commitment and then signing with Georgia and not really giving Tennessee that hard of a look after Jeremy Pruitt's hiring and the, the less than two weeks he had to to consider the Vols after that coaching change and uh, back in late 2017. But, you know, that we, we heard some talk of that, but you never really knew just how serious it was uh, until it just kind of happened and uh, goes in the transfer portal. And on the same day, it, it, it uh, comes out that he's, transferring to Tennessee and Tennessee finally confirmed that on Thursday. And then on the same day, uh, the Vols get the uh, addition of a graduate transfer receiver that we've heard connected to them for uh, about a year now in Valus Jones, Jr. Uh, a guy that Tennessee previously targeted under Butch Jones. So a couple of long time uh, Tennessee targets off and on uh, now coming, kind of coming full circle and, and ending up at Tennessee and giving Tennessee some, some really big additions, you know, potentially immediate impact, 
in, in, uh, well, definitely immediate impact in, in Velas Jones Jr.'s case. And then maybe, maybe immediate impact in Cade Mays' case. We'll just have to see about that. But uh, obviously a lot of news with those two guys alone, not to mention the Trey Smith stuff, which we're obviously discussing in a separate podcast, but with these two additions alone, some, some big, big news for Tennessee. Yeah. And just to get the details here out of the way, guys, we're, we're going to do a couple segments here. We're going to focus on Kay's, Cade Mays in this segment. Then we'll focus on, uh, on Valus Jones and, and maybe a couple other guys in the, in the second segment, but just to go ahead and get the details out of the way on this one, Cade Mays, I hardly, uh, I, I very much, I guess I should say very much doubt anyone has forgotten, but just in case you had, uh, Cade Mays from Knoxville Catholic High School uh, is, is the older brother uh, of, of a Mays who just signed with Tennessee, also from Knoxville Catholic High School, uh, the son of a Mays who was an offensive lineman at Tennessee. So this kid came from uh, – he's a Knoxville kid. Uh, he is a, a Tennessee legacy. And just a couple of years ago, he was the number 22 overall prospect in the 24-7 sports composite. So, so this kid is – a big-time prospect. He has already started several games for Georgia. And to be honest, I, I think when I first heard that it was possible he would transfer, I thought, well, you know, maybe I get why Tennessee is something that would he, he would have had in the back of his mind, but, but why is he leaving Georgia? Uh, you know, he, he, he's one year away from maybe going to the NFL at this point. And, you know, it, it just it, it was the whole thing just kind of didn't add up to me at first, but then more and more people kept talking about it, and I was like, well, maybe maybe it could happen. And just, I mean, this kid's a player, Ryan. I mean, this kid. I mean, maybe is he better at guard or tackle? You know, maybe he's, maybe he's better at guard, like like most guys are. Maybe he could also play tackle, though. Regardless, this is a hell of a football player. Yeah, this is a huge pickup for for obvious reasons. But I mean, let, let's just look at the situation he left to come to Tennessee. This is a guy who has started eighteen games in his two years at Georgia. Yes. So started seven <laughs> games as a true freshman on a really talented offensive line. Started eleven games during the 2019 season uh, and, and and then started left tackle in the sugar bowl for Georgia with, uh, with some guys sitting out, getting ready for the NFL draft. Uh, some young guys playing in that game. Cade Mays settles in at left tackle for that game, starting there for the first time this year. And, and it was essentially kind of a trial run of what people were expecting to maybe see next season for Georgia uh, with, with Mays looking like he was in line to be the bulldog starting left tackle next year. And, and that's a, that's a pretty, uh, prestigious position in any offense. So it, no matter where you think you might fit best, the fact that he had that kind of chance as a junior or would have been a junior at Georgia next year, um, the fact that he had that kind of opportunity and, and the way they're putting out NFL linemen down there, um, you, you, you know he, he had to be intrigued or, or, or turned off by something at Georgia or intrigued by something at Tennessee uh, pretty in a pretty big way to, to leave that sort of opportunity. And a couple things obviously happened that I think obviously contributed to the situation, regardless of what else might've happened. One Sam Pittman left Georgia. And I think that's one you definitely can't underscore enough because uh, that, that was Sam Pittman was probably the, the number one and number two reason Cade Mays went to Georgia. You know, he really liked Clemson as well. When he yes. first uh, made that decision back in 2017, it came down to Georgia and Clemson in the end, but Sam Pittman as, as he has been for a lot of the offensive linemen and even guys at other positions in some cases that Georgia has recruited in recent years, Pittman has been a big part in a lot of guys' decisions and it was no different for Cade Mays. So him leaving, going to Arkansas to become the head coach there was a big deal. And then Cade Mays' brother, Cooper, as you said, signing with Tennessee last month uh, and, and you know enrolling at Tennessee just this week, uh, along with a few other early enrollees from the Vols 2020 class, having a chance to reunite with him. You know They were teammates for a little while at Knoxville Catholic. 
I, I think as he as he got further into his career, you know, having that opportunity, knowing that was a reality, clearly was intriguing. And then, you know, there's there's this backstory now that we find out that we'll, I'm sure we'll get into more in a minute that, you know, maybe he's got a, a, a clearer path to immediate eligibility than we might have thought. And, and you kind of when you heard the news that he was going to Tennessee, you, you almost kind of thought there has to be another piece to this story, because why would a guy in his situation want to sit out a year? to play at Tennessee when, as you said, he could be a year away from the NFL draft. So now, now we're seeing that that's starting to come into focus that maybe there is a path to him, uh, a pretty manageable path maybe to him becoming immediately eligible. And that might, might make this move make a lot more sense. But regardless of when he's eligible, a huge, huge pickup for Tennessee and a guy who's yeah maybe best suited to play guard, but obviously has shown he can play just about anywhere on the offensive line and, and in a, at a pretty high level too. And I guess, Ryan, before we talk about the impact, we probably should talk about that. What's the latest, uh, at least from your end, that, you're, that you've heard on, on, on sort of some of this backstory here and the potential for, for, for getting to play early? Because I know that – you know, people, I mean, it's no secret. I went to Knoxville Catholic High School. I think I joke about that every week because, you know, wh- what do we do? We dominate football. It's what we do, bro. But, you know, it, it's like I, I, you hear some things, but but what's what's the latest that you've gotten? Because I know people around there, there are some people who think that family has a good argument. But then again, I never know what's going on with the NCAA. So what's the latest you've got on, on what's what's the deal there? Well, obviously, this uh, the news of this lawsuit has has come out this week, uh, where his his father Kevin Mays, who obviously played at Tennessee back in the early '90s, uh, that he was at Georgia uh, for an event uh, back in December 2017, right right at the end of mm-hmm. Cade's recruitment there, and uh, that essentially he uh, had lost part of his pinky, yes, um, where it was sort of pinched off uh, as a chair kind of got squeezed against a, a column, you know. It, as you picture it, it's a, it's a pretty gruesome image. Um, so it's, um, it makes people probably a little, little queasy to hear it, just <laughs> imagining how that happened. And you hear the story and it, you, you hate it for anybody to, to deal with that kind of pain, but it's also just bizarre how it happened that Sam Pittman, the offensive line coach apparently took the severed finger, uh, which kind of flew out in the floor and, and, and put it in some ice to, to, to try to save it, you know? So, so just a surreal scene, you would have to imagine under those circumstances. And, and this story is kind of dragged on for a couple of years, maybe behind the scenes. And, and we're not sure exactly what all has happened during that time, but now here it is two years later and a lawsuit uh, was filed against the university of Georgia last month uh, by Kevin Mays to, to sort this out legally. Uh, and obviously, you know, that incident two years ago on its own, yeah, maybe that's not much of a, a something that would change the argument for, for Cade Mays to be immediately eligible transferring to Tennessee but now you have a lawsuit involved. And in some of these cases, um, it's a large university, sure, but you can at least make the argument that being at a university that your parent is suing uh, for, for a, a pretty large amount in damages uh, and, and lost wages and things like that could be very uncomfortable at the very least. So it, it's certainly something that I think the NCAA is going to have to take a look at. Um, you know, he's, he, he's uh, attained a, uh, an attorney to, to help his argument with the NCAA and um, and, and give him a, a better chance of becoming immediately eligible. So clearly the Mays family has looked into this and, and I think feels that this is going to give him a real shot at playing right away. But it's, it's a wrinkle to this story that, yeah, when it first came out, we weren't sure what the path to immediate eligibility is. 
now, now we know it's it's clearly going to uh, have a lot to do with this lawsuit involving Kevin Mays. Uh, and this uh, now that we know all this, at least a lot of the details, I think it's pretty easy to see that this really could give him a real shot at being eligible to play in 2020. Oh, I think it does give him a shot. But here's here's what I th- keep thinking about, Ryan. I, I, I if he had transferred from Georgia to go somewhere else, I could see everybody involved being like, yeah, this is awkward. Let's just go ahead and you know, figure this out, let him go. It's no big deal. At the end of the day, though, uh, Tennessee and Georgia are SEC rivals, SEC East rivals, border rivals. That's a bitter rivalry, and they play every year, and there's a lot at stake in that game. And I still think Georgia's going to do everything it can to fight that. I might be wrong. That's just a hunch on my end that I, I, I don't – I think that in a lot, a lot of cases, if you lawyer up – and you take the NCAA or, or even threaten to take the NCAA to court, the NCAA is a racket. So they don't like anything going to court because they don't usually have a good shot at winning. However, when you get involved with, you know, border rivals, conference rivals, that's where things get a little thicker. And that's why I still wonder how much that's going to matter because at the end of the day, SEC to SEC transfers, you usually still get held up a year. So I, unless you're a grad transfer, which is a different deal. So I, I, there's animosity a little bit here, and I, and I just don't know that George is going to say, okay, yeah, let's just let this happen. Yeah, a, a couple things worth noting here. The, you know, we mentioned that, that Cade Mays and his family have, have uh, attained the services of an attorney. It, it's not just any attorney. It's a high-profile guy, Tom Mars, who, who has also yes. represented guys like Justin Fields and Luke Ford, uh, among others, and, and some of these previous cases where guys have been seeking immediate eligibility and, and normal transfer, you know, not graduate transfers looking to become immediately eligible. So he's got a background in that. Uh, if you want to become immediately eligible, that's one of the guys you want to go out and hire to, to retain his services. So uh, that that's a big deal. I think having a guy like that in your corner, he at least I think knows a good case from a, from a weak case when it comes to making those kinds of arguments. And clearly he thinks uh, the, the, the Mays family has a pretty strong argument for Cade to be eligible right away. Uh, and, and then, you know, he's he's thrown out there that Georgia leaked uh, word of this lawsuit after the uh, the decision to transfer was was uh, passed along to Georgia's staff. Uh, that's something that might, you know, might uh, at least strengthen the case for for Mays to, to know you know if, if that is indeed the, the situation uh, to, to know that those kinds of things are are have been spread to try to muddy the waters a little bit uh, publicly for for Mays or whatever the situation, whatever you want to call it. Um, anything like that could be taken into consideration at least a little bit too. But, but yeah, I think the bottom line is it's a, it's a kid going to a school that, that his parents suing and that's, that's an uncomfortable situation or, or at least very potentially an uncomfortable situation uh, for anyone in that situation. So I, I, I think there's a, a pretty strong case there. And if I had to guess now, I, I think there's at least a decent to good chance that, that you'll see Cade Mays being immediately eligible based on this, but it's obviously, not a slam dunk, uh, but it's something that I think we'd be crazy not to say uh, that, that he's got a real shot now based on this awkward situation he finds himself in. Yeah, it's just hard for me to, to sit there and try to put any kind of a number on it because it's not like we're talking about the way two teams match up with each other or, or you know, the two people recruiting this kid, or it's not within the normal parameters of things we deal with. You're talking about legal stuff here, and you're talking about – uh, there could be other mitigating factors at hand that we just don't know. That's why I, I don't like to give a non-answer, but I just know that the yeah. an, the animosity uh, between historically between Tennessee and Georgia, and, and really currently between those coaching staffs, they just a lot of times don't get along. There's just some bad blood there, and I just wonder 
exactly how I don't I don't think George is just going to say unless it's administration says, whoa, 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 let's back off this. I don't see anyone within the Georgia football program being like, yeah, let's just let this happen because it's there's quite frankly too much at stake here because Georgia's losing some players. Uh, you know, Tennessee, if Cade Mays gets to play, Tennessee could be starting four or five star players on its offensive line next year and Brandon Kennedy being the fifth guy. Uh, there's a lot of reasons why I think Georgia would want to fight this. So, so that's, we'll leave that for another day because we'll have tons of time to discuss that. I just, people ask me about a number. I can't give a percent chance on this. It would be a blind guess. I think Uros Plavsic should be playing and and he's not, you know, and there's other times where I'm like, I don't know why they made that guy eligible and they made him eligible. I I don't know what the NCAA is going to do. Uh, when, when you get the NCAA involved and with the transfer waiver process and these other things, I, I, I don't. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't pretend to know, uh, but we'll certainly keep you updated on all that stuff. But let, let's just say, Ryan, that that let's just say Mage does get eligible for next season. You know, Trey Smith's also coming back. We're going to have a podcast. Uh, we've already got one with uh, where, where Pat Brown and I are going to talk about that. There's plenty of stuff going on there. I'm not sure whether we're releasing this one first or the Trey Smith one first, but these are the two that we're releasing today. So it'll be in one order or the other. Bottom line is we're going to talk about Trey Smith too in a different podcast, but let's just Let's just say Cade Mays is eligible. Uh, what does that do for Tennessee's offensive line next season? And what have the what's the news from the past week done for that group? Yeah, it's <laughs> you look at that lineup and uh, the potential lineup anyway, and and you know the stargazers out there as you as you might call them in, in recruiting who just who love to see the four and five stars no matter no matter how they pan out the college level can't help but look at the the possibility of a of an offensive line that features four former five stars on Tennessee's starting offensive line next year. If Cade Mays is made eligible um, going into the 2020 season and, and that you could have from left to right, you could have Wanya Morris, obviously a five-star at left tackle. Um, you'd have Trey Smith, presumably back at left guard as a, an, another five-star there. Cade Mays, but we'll, we'll pencil him in for right now at right guard. I think that's a, that's a natural place to put him. We mentioned guard might be long-term his best position or where he projects in the NFL at least. Uh, and that's where they're, you know, as Tennessee sort of shuffled some pieces around on the offensive line late in the season, right guard was the one spot that was kind of a hole for them. So they have some guys who can clearly play there, Jerome Carvin uh, and, and others who have who've filled in there pretty well. Karon Calvert, perfectly capable of playing there, but that's a natural spot, I think, to put Cade Mays. And then at right tackle, you could potentially have Darnell Wright back in there, even though he wasn't the starter in the Gator Bowl. Another former five-star who certainly you would think by the, by the start of next season uh, will be right there at the, at the top of the list battling for a starting job and, and probably the favorite to win that job. So those four guys and, and Brandon Kennedy back for a six year at center, that's a veteran group. Um, you still a couple young tackles potentially as sophomores and, and right and Morris, but a couple of, you know, a senior and a junior there at guard and, and all those former five stars. That's a, when you think about how far Tennessee's offensive line has come just in the past couple of years, even without this news, you know, even if they had lost Trey Smith, even if they hadn't gotten Cade Mays, you feel like that offensive line's in a much better situation than it was a couple of years ago. Now to add Cade Mays and to bring back Trey Smith and think about how good that group could be, at least on paper, man, it's just hard to fathom how how much different that group could look from a couple of years ago. And that's obviously part of what makes this uh, such a huge story now of whether Cade Mays will be eligible is because that group could essentially give Tennessee one of the best offensive lines in the SEC going into next season. Yeah, and I, I think you could even look higher than that. It's possible. I, I, I mean, now we're talking on paper here, theoretically. Now, 
to me, it's a situation where it's so good on paper that it can't be bad. Maybe it's not, maybe something goes wrong. It's not as great as people think it's going to be, but it's not going to be bad. I mean, that, that's, that's way we've seen these guys. There's film on these guys playing college football and we know how talented they are. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't want, I never want to put the cart before the horse, never want people to get too excited, but I, I just, that is a group that should get people pretty excited. And, and really, that should make Will Friend want to go drink the tallest, coldest beer in Knoxville right about now. Be, <laughs> it be, should. Well, be, because, I mean, it puts pressure on him for sure, uh, Tennessee's offensive line coach, Will Friend, but, I mean, that's so much talent to work with. I mean, that 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 is kind of like what, at, at a lot of positions, the Alabamas and Georgias of the worlds get to coach every year, basically. But but this yeah. at Tennessee, this is the most Tennessee cycled up potentially at a position in a while. Yeah, I mean, how far would you have to go back to think of an offensive line where Tennessee even potentially had four former five stars in the starting lineup? Even some of Tennessee's best offensive lines under Philip Fulmer and Johnny Majors did not. I mean, obviously the the, the ratings were not. Uh, at, done at the same level and, and, and to the same extent nationally as they are now, you know, back in that era, but you didn't have that many guys who were that highly touted always starting on the offensive line for Tennessee. There would inevitably inevitably be a guy who was maybe slightly lesser recruited, who just developed into a good player. And that happens on the offensive line. So I, you'd have to go back and look, but I, you know, I'm sure it's maybe happened before, but not many in, in Tennessee's history. Uh, I would say not many teams in, in the in the program's history have had that many highly touted prospects on one offensive line or even in one position group playing at the same time. I mean, that, that is really impressive on paper. Uh, now, you have to resist the temptation, I think, to go ahead and you know crown them as the best offensive line in the SEC or one of the best in the country because you, you do still have some young guys there. Uh, even Cade Mays as a junior, as, as good as he is, as much as he's played at Georgia, he is not a plug-and-play All-American or anything like that right now. I mean, he played – okay in the sugar bowl um playing at a position that's probably not his best at left tackle um he's he's not been a full-time starter really he's been kind of a utility guy for georgia on the offensive line he's just played 11 games because they've had some different places where they've needed him to fill in at times and uh they they were you know i think searching for their best combination at times you know they, they had some different reasons he was in the starting lineup um but he was not starting at tackle this year because they had a couple future first round picks potentially in the nfl draft uh, this year's NFL draft starting ahead of him. So he's been almost a utility man on the offensive line. So he's not, he's not this guy who's just automatically going to be a first round pick in the future, but he's got that kind of ability that if he ke- keeps getting better, reaches his potential, he, he could be that good. Same with Darnell Wright and Wanye Morris. Those guys aren't finished products, but if those guys take a big step this off season, man, that's a really good looking group on paper. And uh, it would make it a lot easier for Tennessee losing those receivers. They lose in Juwan Jennings and Marquez Callaway. You're going to have to make up for that somewhere. And a good offensive line would go a long way toward helping whoever's the starting quarterback, whoever's in the backfield to, to helping that group keep the offense on solid ground while they kind of figure things out next year without Jennings and Callaway at receiver. You know, what else would look good on paper if it were written on paper is the products and the services uh, and the the in-house ads that you get for these GoVols 24-7 commercial breaks. So what we're going to do, we're overdue for one of those guys. We're going to step away, pay some bills, handle all that stuff. We're going to come back in just a second. And, and it, there was plenty to talk about with Cade Mays, but but that was not the only news uh, for Tennessee football roster-wise uh, on Thursday. There was some some other big, big, big news, obviously. Trey Smith was one, but there's another guy. Uh, we mentioned him a little bit earlier, Valus Jones Jr. We're going to come back from break, and we're going to talk about him after we uh, after we do some business here, hashtag. Ad.
Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back to the Go Vols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ad you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not morally, ethically, spiritually, contractually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. But for those who do, we appreciate that. Helps us at CBS Sports, helps us at Go Vols 24-7, helps us with 24-7 sports, and uh, it, may, it may even help you. Uh, we don't know uh, all, the, all the times what those ads are going to be. Uh, in fact, at some point down the road, I think we'll probably read probably be reading them ourselves uh, but right now we're still just kind of going with luck of the draw so i don't know what it is um, but whatever product or service it was i'm sure it was a really really good one so uh, you know try it out see I, we should how good would we be at pitching these things ryan we'd be so we'd be, we'd be so awesome at this um yeah i mean if you want to go that road go down that road we we you Maybe didn't, you, you didn't say that we're better at than that. You but. didn't say that with any degree of confidence. There was zero confidence in your voice when you I, said that. None. Yeah, I don't. I, I got to be honest. I don't have that kind of confidence in that. <sighs> we could do anything, <laughs> man. Reach for the stars. The world is ours. By the way, Tennessee football. Getting back to the business at hand here. Uh, we talked a lot about Cade Mays because that, that's big news for Tennessee. Um, but that was not the only news. Uh, Ryan just alluded earlier to the fact that that you know Tennessee is losing some some wide receivers now. We know this. Tennessee has is losing, you know, Juwan Jennings, losing Marquez Callaway. If you want to count um, Dominic Wynn Anderson as, as a receiver, which he is sometimes, I suppose, he's gone too. That's a ton of production there that Tennessee's got to replace at wide receiver. And, and Tennessee added a guy on Thursday, Ryan, who I think might be able to help him a little bit. At least he's not going to step in and just be those guys automatically, but this is a guy who can step in and play. Yeah, and and it's a, a guy with experience at a, at a major program that, that – makes up for the loss of two experienced guys uh, and, and at least gives you a potential playmaker. But, but Valus Jones Jr., uh, former three-star prospect from Saraland, Alabama, who was, uh, was recruited pretty heavily by Butch Jones' staff before he uh, ended up signing with USC uh, almost four years ago now in the, in the 2016 class. Uh, he's had just an okay career at USC, uh, really. Not, not, didn't make the kind of impact out there that I think he expected to. Uh, has a lot of speed. He's probably ideally more of a true slot receiver, but he's around six feet, 190 pounds, so decent size there. Um, big enough that you could play him outside if you uh, if you wanted to play him there or needed to. Uh, he's got the speed to be a deep threat if you wanted to, to use him in that kind of role. But he's also, uh, it sounds like maybe best suited as kind of a slot guy. Uh, you know, it's the, the type of guy you want to get get the ball to on a jet sweep. Um, some design plays, things like that, uh, you know, straight line speed that this team really could use and that they really needed even before this season, you know, for as good as Marquez Callaway and Juwan Jennings were, they, they weren't necessarily burners and, and, and their speed wasn't their strong suit in some cases. Um, the, this is a guy with, with some pretty serious speed when he, when he's in open field, especially. So someone that you can at least, you know, have him run a flyer out, get him in space and, and allow him to, 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 blow past somebody essentially i don't know that he's got the quickness to make people miss a lot and to to break tackles all the time and things like that but 
He's got the kind of speed to, to make something happen at least every once in a while. And then on special teams, he's been a, he's been a kick returner pretty much full time for USC throughout his career, returned one, hundred yards for a touchdown this past season against uh, Fresno state in their season opener. So he's got that, that kind of background too. And, and you certainly could see, could see him helping there on special teams for Tennessee. So a lot to like about this addition. I know some people will look at it and see the limited production. He had only six catches for 35 yards as a redshirt junior at USC this year. Uh, and that one kind of baffled some people, even who cover USC. Uh, talked with Shotgun Spratling from our, our USC site, uh, uscfootball.com. And, and he had some some good things to say that kind of explain what kind of player Tennessee is getting there. And you know, he, even he admitted he was kind of scratching his head about the about the role that, that Bayless Jones Jr. played at USC this year, thinking with Graham Harrell coming in, that air raid offense, that he would be a perfect fit, that they would make a ton of plays. And he just didn't get a chance because they didn't rotate receivers very much. Uh, they, they'd play three, maybe four guys most of the time. And when they used a fourth receiver, they, they used this uh, this bigger freshman, Drake London, who was a 6'5", 205-pound guy, sort of a mismatch there in the slot is almost like a hybrid tight end. And they didn't go to Bayless Jones Jr. for that slot role. So he he had some opportunities, but just not many. So I think you look at him as a guy that maybe has potential to do more than what he's done at USC. And, you know, we've seen a couple of uh, transfers in the past couple of years from USC at, at wide receiver who've gone to other schools and had some success. So, you know, that's certainly what Tennessee is hoping for there. And it's a guy T. Martin is very familiar with, you know, the, the Tennessee wide receivers coach previously coached Bayless Jones Jr. at USC for his first three years of his career out there. Uh, when he redshirted in 2016 and then his first his first two years playing for USC. So he clearly knows what he's getting. He's uh, he's a fellow Mobile area guy, just like Velas Jones Jr. They've got a natural connection through that. Um, so I think there's a lot of reasons this this move made ton of sen- tons of sense for both sides. Um, and it almost happened last year. He was in the transfer portal a year ago. Might have gone to Tennessee if things had gone differently. I think there was a, a, maybe a possibility it could have worked out last year, decided to go back to USC. And now here he is a year later joining Tennessee and I think giving them someone who can at least be an immediate contributor in the slot and, and quite possibly a day one starter uh, this season, just depending on how things turn out with a few of their other guys at that position. Yeah, I'll tell you what sold me on it, Ryan, is pretty simply the fact that T. Martin wanted him. And why, the reason I say that is because I've been doing this long enough to know that if a coach or if, if a coach wants a player at two different places Place. – Let's say he, he, whether it's basketball, football, if a coach goes from one place to another place and he wants a player to go with him, there's usually a good reason for that. It's because one, it's because of one of two things and sometimes both. A, it's a really good player. B, it's someone this coach knows that he can trust and a guy that he can count on. And it's got to be either one of those two things, and sometimes it's both. So I do think this is a deal where maybe this guy doesn't just step in and become a star at Tennessee. But the fact that T. Martin wants him and stood on a table for him, that says a lot to me uh, because he already coached the kid, so he obviously knows what he's getting, and he obviously knows the offense Tennessee's trying to run, and he thinks this kid can help him do that. Well, and maybe most importantly, now that T. Martin, you know, I think sometimes you see coaches come in to a school where they don't know the personnel fully at that point, and they're maybe more willing to bring in guys they were recruiting at their previous schools or guys they had on their roster at previous schools without knowing exactly how they will compare to what they had on their roster. And sometimes they can, that can end up leading to guys, maybe coaches reaching for guys that they thought they liked at their previous spot. But once they see what they've got on the field, 
eh, maybe they're not as, as ready to con- compete for playing time right away. This is a different situation. T. Martin's now had a year to assess what he has on the roster. He knows who's coming in in this recruiting class, and, and he's coached Valus Jones Jr. for three years at USC. So I think knowing that and knowing the history he has with Valus Jones, it's it's I think you should have a, a lot more confidence if you're a Tennessee fan and knowing that, hey, T. Martin understands what he has and he knows what he's getting. And I think if he believes Bayless Jones Jr. can help them right away, there's no reason to doubt him on that. So, yeah, I think that's a, a great point. And that uh, the T. Martin vouching for him obviously says a lot. And we know Jeremy Pruitt's been trying to upgrade the speed at receiver for a while now um, since he got to Tennessee basically a couple years ago. They haven't had a lot of luck at times doing that. But uh, they finally did that in this recruiting class with guys like Jalen Hyatt and, uh, and Jimmy Calloway and, uh, and, and even a, a speedy quarterback who could even be a receiver down the road in Jimmy Holiday. So they, they've added some serious speed there, but those are guys that maybe aren't going to be ideally ready to play day one. This is a guy who can come in. He's only got one year of eligibility left. He's expecting to play day one. He's got the experience to do it, and you need him to do it. So I think it's a, it, it's a situation that makes perfect sense. And again, that familiarity with T. Martin, uh, I think that that says a lot because he's going to be able to make a smoother transition probably to playing for T Martin. And you know that he's a guy that, that T Martin knowing what he has says, Hey, this guy can come in and I think he can help us. And, and there's no reason to doubt him on that. I think it's also worth noting that, that everyone knows where Jeremy Pruitt came from and everyone knows what state he's from. So he knows this kid or, or at the very, very least he knows people who know this kid. So yeah. I think you think that's fair to say, Ryan. I mean, we all know how much Jeremy Pruitt loves recruiting. We know what state he's from. We know he's been in that Mobile area recruiting before. We know he's got a lot of contacts down there. I mean, he's got to know this kid, right? Or at least a little bit. Yeah, there, there's clearly a familiarity there, and, and and like you said, he's recruited the Mobile area for long enough, and and so is T. Martin for that matter. That, uh, that yeah, that it's not it's not hard when there is a guy that they haven't recruited for them to get information on a guy. So yeah, I think there's some level of familiarity there. And, and again, T Martin's going to be his position coach. If, if, even if uh, Jeremy Pruitt doesn't know him extremely well, because, you know, Alabama wasn't much of a, uh, a factor there and Georgia wasn't much of a factor with him at the, at the times he was at those schools. But um, you know, if, if it's a guy that, that T Martin vouches for and T Martin's the one coaching him and, and you look at the tape and it adds up, uh, I mean, there's no reason to, to second guess that. So uh, sometimes guys just, don't have the opportunity for whatever reason at the school they were at before and, and they come into a better situation and, and it works out. And sometimes you get guys in this situation and it just works out. Okay. Or, or doesn't work out at all. You got to kind of take a shot sometimes. I think this is a definitely a shot worth taking and, and really not even much of a reach. I think it's a, an experienced guy that, that, you know, has a good skill set that, you know, upgrades your speed at receiver can maybe help you in a couple different spots and can help you on special teams. And at the very least, this is a guy who might be your, your day one kickoff returner and, and is probably competing, if not virtually assured of playing a lot. He's probably going to have a really good chance of playing a lot. It might even be a starter for you uh, in the slot or, or somewhere like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's a good situation coming into a, a, a program where they're losing, obviously, two of their best receivers, where they need experience. And even if guys like D'Angelo Gibbs pan out pretty well, they, they've got some question marks at receiver. And Velas Jones Jr. might be one of their most trusted targets uh, from the, the time he sets foot on campus. We'll have to see about that, but I, I think he's got the chance to at least be one of this team's top receivers in 2020. Yeah, it's interesting because they're clearly throwing a ton of darts at the board at that receiver position uh, because it's obviously in this in this era of football, it's obviously a, it's always been an important spot, but 
in an era where people are putting points on the board like video game numbers, you you, you got to be pretty good at wide receiver or just so good running the ball it doesn't matter. But when you look at what Tennessee's trying to do here, you can tell that that what they got the production out of Callaway and Jennings. I don't think they're going to have anybody necessarily who's going to do that. We all know Josh Palmer has the talent to do it. Maybe he maybe he'll step up and do it next season. Um, but but he comes back. Brandon Johnson uh, it will be back after redshirting. I believe he sh- he should be back after redshirting this year. Uh, Ramel Keaton will be there. Cedric Tillman will be there. Uh, now you're adding guys like Bayless Jones Jr. You're adding those three, at least two, maybe three signees. And then you're adding this walk-on uh, from Nebraska. Actually, he wasn't a walk-on at Nebraska, but I believe he'll be a walk-on at Tennessee in Miles Jones, uh, who said he was uh, put it out there and told us he was going to transfer. Uh, this was a three-star prospect uh, coming out of high school, a guy who went to, to Nebraska, and now he'll have a chance, too, to, to be at Tennessee. So they're throwing a lot of numbers out there. And I can tell you this, Ryan, when, when we – if spring practice started tomorrow and we were out there – the first couple spots we'd go to probably right now, uh, other than quarterback, which is the obvious one, are pretty clearly, I think, where a lot of us are going to run right toward the O-line and right toward the wide receivers because there are a lot of interesting interesting things going on there. There are, and and yeah, no, no doubt uh, receivers, it's the biggest question mark about this team, frankly, I think, going into the 2020 season. Uh, you know, There are a lot of people, obviously, with the way Tennessee finished the year, look, look at what's coming back, especially on the offensive line, as we talked about in the previous segment uh all the guys they bring back on the defensive line uh you know a a few key starters in the secondary and at linebacker you got a lot a lot coming back that makes people think after this six game winning streak to close the season hey tennessee might be pretty good next year but we've seen this before when you when you have to replace a lot at a key position like wide receiver it, it can make it tough to 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 make an offense really click on all cylinders for for at least a stretch of the season if not the entire season it can be problematic so uh, especially with a quarterback situation that hasn't been solid uh, for the entire season, uh, they've got some questions to answer there that, that could be a big, big deal to this team. So, yeah, I think their depth had taken a hit. Uh, you lost guys, you, you, you lose a guy like Jared Means in his first year on campus. Uh, so, you, you don't have the numbers you'd ideally like to have at that position. They already hadn't signed many receivers the past couple of years. In, in this class, it looks like they might only sign two or three true receivers, depending on how they decide to use their final spots here. Um, so you, you needed a guy like this who I think can come in and, and play. And, you know, D'Angelo Gibbs was that athlete last year who looks like he settled in at receiver. And he's still a bit of a wild card, might be a starter for Tennessee this coming year. We'll see. Uh, but he looked good on the scout team while redshirting, but he's still kind of an unknown just because he hasn't done it in, in games at the college level at wide receiver, even though he's looked pretty good. So you've got some guys like that. You, you've got Josh Palmer who's played a lot of football. You've got Brandon Johnson who's played a lot of football, but not guys that you can count on and say, you know what? they're definitely going to be close to as good as what we had with Callaway and Jennings. You, you, you just don't have those types of guys that are proven at that level. And, and so now you throw in a guy like Velas Jones, you throw in that miles Jones, a guy who's at least a, an intriguing athlete and a nice, a nice flyer to take as a walk on. who was previously a scholarship guy. That's those are, those are two nice additions to address a position that could be, could be a problem for Tennessee. If they, if they didn't fully address it well enough, uh, now they're in much better shape there, I think, and at least have some guys who can, improve their speed and, and give them some uh, some intriguing options, if nothing else. Yeah, and there were times this year where I, I walked off the practice field thinking, you know, D'Angelo Gibbs looks pretty exciting at wide receiver. You know, there, yeah. were, there were days where I thought, I don't really know. He's a great athlete, but I don't really know what he is. And then there were days I walked off the field going, man, that kid's a really, really talented-looking wide receiver prospect. So th- they're going to be throwing a lot of numbers out there, and it's going to be pretty interesting to see uh, what they do there because they're they're certainly going to have some options. I mean, there's not going to be any dog. There's not going to be any Callaway, but you know what? There's – 
uh, times move on. You know, you, you, college, you get, your college career is what you get three, four, five years, and then you're done. So Tennessee had to well, move on at some point, and now they got some guys who I think are pretty interesting options. Well, and, and, and no Tyler Bird either. That's one that, that that's easier to forget for yeah. a lot of people, but he's a guy who was you know fourth or so in the pecking order and even third in the bowl game for the first half, and uh, that's a guy who played a lot of snaps for Tennessee over the years. So you take those three guys, Callaway, Jennings, and Bird, out of the equation. Could have been even worse if Brandon Johnson had decided not to redshirt, but assuming he sticks around, you've at least got a couple guys who started a lot of games in the past in Palmer and Brandon Johnson, but still a lot to sort out there. And, and you know, you've at least got a decent two deep of options, I think, to work with between, you know, Ramel Keaton, uh, D'Angelo Gibbs, Palmer. Uh, now you throw in a guy like Valus Jones. Uh, and, and then you've got some other guys behind them that still could take a step forward. Uh, but but maybe need to develop a little bit to really be ready to play a lot. And you've got some intriguing freshmen and, and guys like Jimmy Callaway and Jalen Hyatt. So at least some options there. And you feel better about that position, certainly, than you did a few months ago. Something they had to address in recruiting. And, and now it's it's kind of come the transfer route a little bit. But they've uh, they, they've taken care of that position in a way that I think they, they clearly feel better about themselves there going into the season. And I want to see that. I want to see the holiday kid get the, get his hands on the ball a couple times. I don't know how they're yeah. going to, I don't know what they're going to do with him. I don't know exactly. Now, is he going to really be a quarterback or is he going to develop there? Are they going to move into receiver? Are they going to, you know, put some gadget formations in with him? I don't know what they're going to do, but I would really like to see them let that kid touch the ball occasionally because man, oh man, that kid can run. He, he really can. And, and I, I think Jimmy Callaway is the same type of playmaker. And then, and then I mean, again, Jalen Hyatt, he needs to get bigger, but you've got a guy there with who ran a four, three, one forty at a, at an opening regional where they, they, you know, that's laser timing. They're, they're not just hand timing, um, you know, off by a 10th of a second, that kind of deal. So that, that's a pretty legitimate time. And uh, to have that kind of speed and the kinds of numbers he put up in high school, he's clearly a good receiver too. So they're, they're adding some serious speed there. And that's something they've been searching for, for a couple of years. They, they finally have it now, and they're hoping that they've got some guys who can maybe catch a 10-yard pass and turn it, into, turn it into a 50-yard gain every once in a while. They haven't had much of that. Now I think they've got a much better chance of making those kinds of plays and making their offense not have to work quite so hard to put together scoring drives at times. Ryan, before we step out of here, before I let you go and I, I run this outro and get us out of here, anything in recruiting uh, going on, anything? I know signing day is coming up. The traditional signing day, which is kind of like, you know, it's not – the early signing period, uh, which is now sort of the big national signing day, but uh, there's always something going on. Anything going on that you can throw out there for free to the people listening? Yeah, well, I, I, obviously, you know, coaches are not on the road just yet. That won't happen for another week or so. But uh, but getting getting close to that time now, where where coaches will be back on the road and things will start to heat up again. Tennessee's obviously used a couple of its remaining spots on on guys like Cade Mays and uh, and, and Valus Jones, so that that complicates. Some of their decisions down the stretch, obviously, they've got a couple commitments that haven't signed and, and Darian Williamson uh, and Kyrie Miller and then some some top remaining targets out there like Jay Hardy and D Beckwith. Um, Hardy, the four star defensive lineman committed to Auburn and, and uh, plays at Macaulay School in Chattanooga that he's obviously the the main name to watch here down the stretch, but that's still involved with several others. And, and D Beckwith, the, the four star athlete from Florence, Alabama, definitely another one to watch who could be a Again, we talked about receiver being a need. Could be either a bigger receiver or a really athletic tight end. Um, either one of those would fill a need for Tennessee. So those, those, that's why you see a Tennessee targeting those two guys in particular. Uh, Jay Hardy was actually up in Knoxville uh, this week playing at Knoxville Catholic on Wednesday night. Uh, some of Tennessee's current players, including some of the early enrollees, were there in the stands at the game watching him, uh, kind of setting the stage for what could be a real battle down the stretch between Tennessee and Auburn. So uh, a lot of attention will be focused on that one down the stretch. And 
We'll obviously have it all covered for everyone on Go Vols 24-7, but a lot to follow, even though not many spots left. Some intriguing battles, I think, that will be decided over the next few weeks. And just seeing how Tennessee handles all this, you know, what do they decide to do? How many spots do they actually have? Is there a way for them to get creative with the numbers? Um, All that's going to be really fascinating to see now that Tennessee has made the decision to take a couple of transfers with some of those remaining spots. I think that's a pretty good place to leave it there. Ryan, man, thanks for joining us, and uh, I guess we'll, uh, we'll probably be speaking with you next week. That sounds good. Thanks a lot, Wes. Guys, thank you for tuning in. You know, I don't know that we always say that enough. Just thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to us. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Not Grant Ramey 24-7 because that would be a team player. He's just Grant Ramey on Twitter because that's how he rolls, apparently. Or if you want to go to social media and you just want Tennessee news, you don't want anything else, you don't want me posting my 18 Corgi pictures a day or Ryan tweeting about the things that is Ryan tweets during the day, whatever it is that he does with his life, whatever Pat and Grant or whatever they're doing. If you just want Tennessee news, you can get that too. You can go to twitter.com slash govoss247 or facebook.com slash govoss247 where you can get all of that information, just Tennessee news, nothing else all day long. All day long, especially on that Facebook page where we got everything going on there throughout the day. Tons of stuff on that page. Grant does a great job with that. Or if you want to drink your water directly from the source, that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water, just right coming down that mountain stream right at you, go to GoVols247.com and get that. Got all kinds of really good deals, as always. We had a really good one earlier in the week, uh, but we're going to have another good one coming up right now, guys. Two months of membership for $1. $1, Bob. That's pretty good. Two months, one dollar. Why would you not do that? Why would you, why why would you not go do that? Seriously, see, you hear that, guys? Listen, I just hit my table out of frustration because there are people out there among you who are not doing that. Go do that. It says more about you than us if you don't do that. And I, I hate saying it like that, but it's the truth. Go do that. And if nothing else, guys, we got hoops this weekend, so we'll have something after that, and then we'll be back with you at the latest, I believe, on Monday. See you.